Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Lila McRae. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Lila McRae. Joe Deck is with me. We're going to have Patrick Hyde on in the B Block, and we are going to talk about high school sports full out in the B Block. So we'll skip that for now. And we will jump to other sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. And that starts with the Hokies basketball's big win against the Duke Blue Devils uh, tonight. Uh, We're recording the same night we're dropping this. And it was a big win. I I know this isn't top five Duke. This isn't, you know, national title favorite Duke. But it's a ranked team. And it's still a Coach K over there. There's still a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans over there. And we controlled that game. We got up early uh, by a big margin, played really well offensively in the first half. Duke came back as you'd expect, but we still, we kind of, we look like the better team. I think right now we are the better team. I'm not saying um, Duke doesn't have great talent, but we play well together. We've already played well together this season and we're continuing to. And kind of the way we close that game out kind of gives me a lot of hope down the stretch that we're going to be able to win a lot of ACC games this year. And it's like every week I think we're, you know, a spot or two higher better than I thought we would be. And, um, you know, they ranked us low to begin the season, but we're proving them wrong, and I love it. 3-1 and one against AP top 25 teams now. Uh, Duke doesn't have a single AP top 25 win, um, so that's one contrast. I, I, honestly, I texted this to my uh, buddy, and this is a top four team in the ACC this year. Yeah. Now, we're that good. This is yeah. different than last year when we went off and picked off Michigan State early and then crumbled. We actually have some depth to this team, and, and we have multiple people that can contribute. We have um, size. Yeah. I mean, the Notre Dame game uh, Sunday, we held them to two field goals in the second half. I mean, we just absolutely smoked them in the second half. I almost won free bacon because I got the number of steals right. I was one off tonight. Oh, my gosh. I am desperate to win some free bacon. Uh, but hopefully that happens at some point this season in these Virginia Tech games with their steal the bacon contest. But to to focus on the important part, the basketball. Uh, this is a this is the part that I enjoy the most is just watching this team play. They're fun yeah. to watch. Mike Young is a great coach. He loves the fans. He loves his players, and you can see that. You don't have to be told how much he loves them. You can see how much he loves them. And, yeah. and this program is going in the right direction. And this is definitely, if we get to a tournament, this is definitely a tournament team this year, a top four team in the ACC, and, and an ACC that is frankly wide open. So yeah. maybe this is the I'm year. Gonna... Maybe maybe this is the year for Virginia Tech. I, I don't know. I, I You know, I'd love it. Uh, you know, I'm not writing that. I'm not putting I, I wouldn't, that down on paper. No, I wouldn't put pen on paper. But yeah, I mean, yeah. pencil. Yeah, and, and we lost to Louisville last week. That's a, on the road at Louisville. We lost by two, two points in a game we could have won. You know, you good teams lose tough road ACC games. That's the ACC. I mean, maybe the ACC's down a little bit this year because we're not looking at teams like North Carolina and Duke being at their peak, but it's still a tough basketball conference. And, you know, I, I don't know what out, what other conferences outshine in the ACC that great. I think everybody's, everybody's just a weird year, and we're used to that by now, saying that through football season. Now in basketball season, it's just a weird year. So we'll take that loss, you know, be better from it. And we rebounded great against Notre Dame and now Duke. And then we play Wake uh, Sunday night, and, and that's a, a game you'd expect to win, even though it's a road ACC game. It's, it's Wake Forest who is down from, you know, the – 
highs that they've experienced in the past. So hopefully we can get through that. You know, that's that that's what I want to avoid losing those games. We shouldn't. Um, I don't want to lose any games, but I'd much rather lose to good quality teams. Um, I don't think wake is quite that. So hopefully we can pull out that win. Yeah. Um, UVA, they finally gotten a couple, couple basketball games in. They won against wake. They won against Boston college. Um, you know, those games, their defense was pretty solid, but I think overall for UVA, they're not, it's not the same defense, like tight, tight defense that we're used to seeing UVA win with these last couple years. They're still winning games. They're still ranked 18th, you know, just ahead of uh, Virginia Tech right now. Um, you know, they didn't have to play us two weeks ago. That's that. That's why uh, they're, Honestly, they're winning all their I, ACC I games. Like, I, yeah. I think we would have beat them then. I, I do. mean, that's the thing. Uh, uh, coming back to Tech, like, I went into this game against Duke fully expecting. Oh, that. yeah. I, I've never – I mean, I've had, oh, I think we really got a good shot. I really think we can. I don't know about expecting to win the way I did tonight. My wife – the Duke blue devil fan. She's like, yeah, you guys are going to win. Like you, like you guys are going to win. And we did. And so it's just different for me. I'll, I'll, hopefully I can get used to this. Um, but yeah, coming back to the UVA, uh, you know, they're playing well in the ACC. They got Notre Dame on Wednesday night. And then this weekend they have a really big game against Clemson, the highest ranked ACC team uh, Saturday night. Uh, so that's, that's something that's going to be a tough little matchup for them uh down there at clemson so that's a tough road game and i you know we keep talking about measuring sticks for uva and i don't think they've really succeeded in a measuring stick game yet you know here's another chance uh saturday within the conference for a measuring stick game and see what they got yeah well i mean the one they've played was gonzaga and gonzaga killed them now, gonzaga's really good i don't know if they're that oh good. yeah they only played one i forgot i forgot their other michigan state got yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 michigan state got postponed yeah san francisco was a bit yeah. of an upset um yeah clemson's a big test for them if they go if they win that game then uva is back in the heavyweights that, that villanova game canceled too that's what i can, right I, that's what i forgot too so. that's the that's uva yeah. is a heavyweight that is looking like a heavyweight again so um but if they lose that game and if it's ugly then then we're back to where we were i mean Virginia Tech's already beaten Clemson at Clemson. So am I going to be scared of playing Clemson again? Not really. I'm not scared of playing anybody in the ACC no. this year. I, I just, I'm just not. Bring I, them I, on. I, I'm not saying if, if Duke was their normal Duke selves, I probably, I probably would have a touch of worry. In yeah, a game but like Coach that. K's a phony. But they're not. He's a phony. Bring them <laughs> on. Let's play him again. Let's run it back. Quickly, JMU, uh, I don't. They played one game. They got they caught somebody coming up the road. Uh, Chowen. Chowen. Uh, they beat them by twenty four points, and then they got Elon twice this weekend. They're just dodging COVID, whether it's within their program or the teams they're playing. They just had so much get rescheduled. Them and UVA have had a lot of battles with their schedule. Um, we talked about JMU a bit last week. This will be a chance for them to get some. CAA I just need to wins. see them. Yeah, I just need to see them play Division One yeah. teams. I, I don't learn anything by them playing D two and D three teams. And, and look, I, I'm not They're saying anything. Yeah. They're just trying to play games and, yeah. to keep the team loose and keep that in game experience. I get it. I'm just saying I can't take anything away from it. So last night was the NCAA football national championship, and Bama won another national championship. What was your biggest takeaway from that game and that outcome? That something needs to be done to fix college football before it kills itself. Does I mean, okay. I, I don't want to, uh, let's put a time limit on how much we talk about this because we've done it three other weeks. 
does a bigger playoff change Alabama winning it? Well, if your point is to not have blowouts, what I would say is I watched three blowouts this year, both semifinals and the national championship. I just, I'm, I'll watch whatever they put in front of me. And I, you know, if they at least if we game, have quarterfinals or maybe even a 12 team playoff, at least some of the games will be close. At least I'll have a close playoff game. I'm guaranteed to have at least one playoff game. that's close this year. I watched three blowouts. Yeah, but then. And you just, when you have you 21, still get semifinal and final that are blowouts again. And you still have Alabama absolutely demolishing. Well, then don't like, play the season. Would. Just vote them number one and they're national champion. We don't even need to play. But they still had to do it. They still had to do it. Like they had to perform. And we if we had Clemson a 12 team playoff, they'd team. have they, to do it. I mean, that, different. that's not a good enough reason. I mean, if, if your thing is no matter how many playoff teams, they're still going to win the national championship. Yeah. They were going to win the national championship all year. They looked like the best team. They didn't have a close game yeah. all year. They killed everyone in their, in their path. Even the sec championship, which was close on the scoreboard, they controlled the entire time. Yeah. Florida was just, never really in a threat. That was a closer. The final score was closer than what the game actually was. And, and when the, when, but it goes to this thing that I saw today, 17 of the 21 playoff games that have been played have been won by either Clemson, Ohio State, or Bama. That's not good for college football. Yeah. I mean, there used to not be a playoff. I mean, that's that's the other side. Like, you're not comparing that to playoff games before or anything else. And also, if you look at the history of college football, it it's a lot of these same teams, Ohio State and Alabama particularly. I mean, Al- Clemson won one in the early 80s. Um, you get a lot of these same blue bloods throughout history. So I don't know if you solve, I don't know if you change the national champions greatly by expanding the playoffs. You just, you get to your, everyone has a chance or, or more teams have a, have a chance. This but year, right now, if you're a five-star prospect and you want to play in the playoff, you go to one of these three schools and that's it. If you expand the playoff, then you can go to other schools and still be I in mean, a playoff. And to that point, though, I give Saban some credit. You know, looking at it today, and everybody's talking about how great he is, and I'm moving away from the playoff debate. Um, you know, Saban adapts. Like, it wasn't that long ago we're watching LSU and uh, Alabama play for the second time in a season in a, like, 9-6 final. That's when Alabama was winning with strong defense and just enough, enough offense. And Saban realized looking around him, seeing what offensive talent he had coming through the door is I got to adjust. I got to, I got to have a more explosive offense if I want the best offensive players here. Cause uh, you know, I'm barely doing what I can offensively to win these defensive battles. And I'm, and he's a defensive guy. He's happy with the defensive battles, but he realized what he had to do to get that offensive talent there. And he's made those adjustments and, and each one of those coordinators, offensive coordinators leave and he still maintains a top quality offense. Like I give Saban a credit. I don't like him. I think he's a snake. I hated what he did sneaking into Miami and then sneaking out the back door out of Miami for the NFL there. I, I don't like Saban, but I'll give him credit. He's adapted. And in the same way you look at coach K he's adapted to getting the one and donners. And um, you look at these best coaches, they, they adapt. And I'll, I'll give Saban that credit because if he was still just trying to beat every team with defense, he wouldn't be. And so I, I'll give him credit. Like everyone wants to say he's the best college coach of all time. Fine. I I'm, I really don't have a debate. I don't have another name to bring up into that and and argue to the death with. But I I think his best ability there is his ability to adapt and look at what's around him and what's happening in the game and where players want to go and and making the changes he needed to make. Yeah, I mean he's a good college coach. I, I'm 
I'm not going to argue that. I just think it's a little easier when you're at Alabama and you got some under the table money going exchanging <laughs> hands and all kinds of stuff. And any five-star recruit that wants to play in a playoff, he can look at him and say, I guarantee you three out of your four years, at least you'll be in a playoff here. Yeah. It's Camp- handy to have that recruiting tip. So the other games that at, went on this weekend, uh, uh, I had oh, the thing God. I also took away just for our local flavor here is Alabama was good all season. We recognize that, but man, they played so well in these playoffs. Like they got to their postseason and played so well. It just reminded me what we see Riverheads do, especially these last four years where like they're good throughout the season and then they play their best football at the right time. And these last couple games watching Alabama seeing, I mean, seeing the stat line from those three best play, you know, the quarterback, the running back and the receiver at halftime being what it was, it's just like, I don't know. It just was really impressive. And um, I don't know. It's hard to do. It's hard to play your best when you need it to. And that's like a goal for every team. And we, you just see these well-coached teams are the ones that are able to do it. And and that's why you don't see people come out of nowhere in class one or class, even class two. We don't, we, we see Appomattox there every year. Um, it's, it, you just see the better coaching, the teams that are playing their best at the end of the season are the ones that win it, you know, that's why if we did have an expanded playoff, Oklahoma probably would have been in the final four because they were playing their best football at the end of the year. They really were. And in college football, Oklahoma was playing really good football at the end of the year. They lost two games in September and knocked themselves out of what should have been an opportunity to be in a playoff. But if you had eight teams, they probably would have gotten in that. If you had 12 or 16 like you want, definitely would have been in it. And they probably would have found their way up into a top four spot, you know, the last semifinal. I don't know about that. I mean, they still almost lost to Iowa State in the Big 12 championship, so. Okay. I'm just saying, for Alabama, the difference between Alabama and Riverheads is Alabama recruits those kids, and they have the three best players on the field. Yeah, 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 it's different. I mean, it's different games. It just, I I guess the fact that they played their best football when it mattered, it just lined up with a storyline that we say year after year for Riverheads, because... They always are. Yeah, Riverheads isn't recruiting. Um, they do tend to have some of the best players in the area, but uh, you know, I think that goes back to development. And I would agree with that statement. But the other games that went on this weekend, though, um, just quick thoughts on these. But the Bills, they they beat the Colts in a game that uh, was a little bit closer than I thought it was going to be, but the Bills won, and um, they're they're still the Bills. They're going to be a tough out. Yeah, I can root for the Bills now. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, like, I, I'm happy for the Bills. I'm happy for the Bills fans that, you know, lost their team, lose four Super Bowls in a row. I'm glad that they're having some success now. And there's not – you don't watch that team and find things not to like. I mean, there's there's a lot of energy on that team. They play a they play an exciting brand of football. I, I'm rooting for them. I'm You know, that's, that's who I'm rooting for. These middle games on both Saturday and Sunday were the ones that kind of – yeah. sat out most of so i didn't watch a lot of this and, middle and one play lightsabers with the kids you know <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't watch a lot of this middle one but from what i did um i just hate the rams uniform so much that i will never root for them to win a game <laughs> like i want them to lose to green bay just because they're uniforms i think it's a disappointing season for the seahawks there you started the year with russell wilson getting all the mvp talk and that faded and that team faded i i i think that's a disappointing year for the seahawks this is a year where the NFC, there's no runaway. I, I, 
I'd be pretty disappointed up there. I don't know how much changes they'll make. I just, I'd be pretty disappointed with what happened. I was rooting for Henneke so hard in that Sunday oh, night goodness. game. That dive to the end zone. Oh, that was, I mean, I was yelling like he was on my team. Like it was, it was fun. I was pulling for him so hard, but it's hard to beat, you know, 15 players when you're going up against the 11 and Tampa Bay uniforms in the foreign stripes. So hats off for making it as close as they did, but Tampa Bay prevails. Uh, the Ravens, this was a game that honestly, uh, when we fell behind 10, nothing, I was like, well, here we go again. Um, but we rebounded. We played well after that. It was a different Lamar game. Jackson will really, never win a playoff game. Ramir, really Lamar Jackson's run was when the game turned. When oh, he that had was, that run, that I was like, okay. And then, and then we kind of shut him down defensively after that. We started to play better. Mike Vrabel punting for punting on fourth and I think it was fourth and one or fourth and two yeah. from the 40 yard line was really odd. Um, but I appreciated it. And uh, we kind of controlled him after that. I know you didn't like the scuffing of the logo at the end. I'm here for it. It's a rivalry. They came on our logo in week 11 and we danced on their logo in the playoffs. So I'm fine. Yeah, I just I don't like either side of it. The two wrongs didn't make it right for me. I just I don't like the look. I, I'm fine I with it. Like to me, to me, it's the same as bat flipping and staring at home runs in baseball. Eh, if you don't want it, if you don't so want it, moment. don't let them beat you. I think the whole team coming off the sideline to the middle is different than a touchdown dance or a bat flip. It's not in the moment. It's, Their whole team was on the midfield logo in week 11. There was jawing before the game. I didn't like that either. I don't there like was that. jawing that's, that's before thing. the game. It's a rivalry. It's a full-blown rivalry with the Titans and the Ravens. Uh, the Nickelodeon game could have just stayed on Nickelodeon for all I cared. Um, the Saints won, but wow, do I not feel confident in them going any further. You know, I turned over there to Nickelodeon and... As long as the game is offered on CBS, <laughs> there's no reason like to hate on the Nickelodeon game. Like there's no reason it can't exist. And if it is bringing younger viewers in great, some of the antics I didn't understand, like comparing Alvin uh, Kamara to Alvin and the chipmunks. I, I just not following that. I, you know, let me tell you when to... I turned it off. Nickelodeon was when young Sheldon popped up. As soon as young Sheldon <laughs> popped up, I was out. I hate young I... Sheldon. I hate the big bang theory. I think both of those, I could watch whole episodes. I could watch a whole marathon and not laugh once on those shows. They are not funny. They are what's wrong with network television. They're unfunny and stupid. Well, let's hope that's the most controversial thing you say tonight. Probably not. Um, I don't know. The Nickelodeon thing, just like I tried to like make some jokes on it. And then I was like, you know what? It, it's fine. It exists. It's not trying to replace anything. It's trying to bring younger viewers in. And when I started looking on Twitter and seeing, you know, guys that I follow that are like, Hey, my son just sat down and watched this whole NFL game. He has never done that, you know, when before, you know, like that's not something he chooses to do. Like, I think that's something maybe kind of start thinking the other way. Like how does major league baseball try to do something like this? Like, do they get a alternate broadcast for the home run derby or something where there's a lot of action and try to draw kids in? Um, and you know, I commend the NFL for taking a shot on something different. And overall, I haven't heard that. I mean, people laughing at it and making jokes, but like, it's not getting killed and it shouldn't as long as there's a, as long as there's a traditional broadcast 
provide it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fine. I'm just saying, I would like the Nickelodeon version better if they didn't have Young Sheldon on it. Just have yeah, SpongeBob. Yeah. Put SpongeBob on there. I'd, there I'd was a okay lot of reference that. to SpongeBob when I was over there that I. It just made me like, does Nickelodeon not have any other characters? I don't know. I my kids don't watch Nickelodeon. We're more of a Disney Junior age. Um, but back in my day, Nickelodeon had Doug and uh. The Rugrats and all those different shows. Does Nickelodeon not have like a current lineup of a bunch of different? I mean, they're making like Kenan Thompson jokes from all that Kenan and Kel jokes. And I'm like, man, that show hadn't been on since I was a kid. Like, I don't, I'm surprised, but I, I don't know. I, I, that's fine. I, you know, like I, I guess I wanted to hate on it. I had no reason to hate on it. No. The night game on Sunday night. No, that was all the games. That was all the games. Um, look. I could be mean to Leland. I could say that I saw this coming when they were 11-0 and I said they were the worst 11-0 team in the NFL. I could say that it's hilarious to watch the two Steelers receivers run their mouths even when they're losing to the Cleveland Browns. I could say a lot of mean things about the Steelers, but I'm a nice guy, so I won't say any of that on this podcast. Well, thanks for holding back, man. That's nice of you. Yeah, um, but... (laughs) Good for Cleveland. Um, this is a this is a fan base like the Bills fan base that has been tortured uh, almost for their entire lives. So good for them on getting this win. It comes in Pittsburgh. It's their first win in Pittsburgh since I don't know, like twenty five oh, years or something. Oh three, I think. <laughs> oh God, but good for them. Um, wow, it's the first time Big Ben's lost to Cleveland in in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, yeah, but good so for the Browns. Oh three because oh four was when he came. Yeah. yeah, good for the Browns. Um, so I'll I'll probably spare the listeners of the Joe Deck rant of every living moment and reaction to every little bit. But just the front side of it is the snap goes over his head. I'm still haven't sat down to watch the game yet, and I'm like, okay, like that's obviously terrible, but okay, like mistakes happen. Let's go, and then we immediately throw an interception and they have a good return. And then they're back in the end zone again shortly after. And that's when I knew, like I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't one of these people that like had hope through that into this late into the second half. That was like, we're going to win this game. I watched it all. I held out and watched it all, but at no point was like, we're going to win this game. I knew right then I didn't even stop what I was doing after 14, nothing. I kept, I had a little side project going on. I kept doing it. So I was using my energy that way instead of just sitting there stewing and tweeting and texting everybody how much I hate everything. I just, I, I just say, it. and I texted you and said, I'm not yep. going to say anything because yep. and I this is bad. You that was the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't want you. And when the, when the Ravens were down 10, nothing, you were very nice and you didn't say, Oh, here come the Ravens or laugh about the Ravens. And that was very kind. And I know if the Ravens were losing 28 to nothing in a playoff game, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to text to you. me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> or if the Orioles yeah. were losing 10 nothing or something, I wouldn't want to hear about it. So, um, so yeah, I watched it all, 28 nothing. I still was watching. I watched in the second half. People were trying to, well, they nearly came back. And, like, that's what someone's going to work with me. I was like, yeah, Browns played prevent defense for three quarters of the they game. They really like, did, yeah. Yeah, it just, like, it wasn't real comeback. It was just <laughs> them staying ahead, them just holding their arm out and saying, we're staying ahead, and they deserve the win. They were the Can better I- team in this game and um you know last game we didn't have some of our starters and that was the excuse we had them all this time and we played terrible so um i will s- got to get addressed this offseason yes it's just like i we have we can talk about the offseason it's got to get addressed i'm not saying ben has to leave yes i would maybe want ben there if there's a young quarterback coming in 
just for a transitional period. I don't know. Ben will get hurt, so the young guy will be start playing anyway. But if we bring in a veteran, Ben can just ride off into the sun. That that's fine. He's eating up um, a lot of cap. Yeah, I, I, we'll see how that goes there. Forty one point three. Organizations have a tough time breaking away from their franchise quarterback at the right moment. Uh, I guess the Colts did it, but they they kind of had that injury situation to really propel them there. Um, I guess the Patriots, you might say the Patriots did it at the right time. I think they could have done it two years ago and probably be in a better spot right now. So I don't know if they did. Um, this is just that debatable year. Is this, is this going to be a year too many or is this the right time or what? And it'll get proven out. Um, I do say if we have a, if we draft the next quarterback, then I don't mind Ben still being there. But if we, if it's anything else, if there's, if it's, you know, I hear Matthew Stafford is available. There's other, I guess Darnold might be out there. Like if we bring in anybody that has significant franchise leading experience, Ben can go like give him the retirement party because he's spent. He uh, is spent. I will say this before we move off. There were just a few moments in that, in that game though, where I was really confused at the decision-making process. Like it seemed like you guys were chasing two point conversions the entire night for yeah, some reason, no, which yeah. didn't make it, sense. It, it, there was like the wrong choice and then the, and the, there the was wrong you guys the wrong choice. <laughs> like Mike Vrabel, there was moments where I was like, oh, okay, the Steelers are going to go for it here because they need it. And you send out the mm-hmm. punting unit, and I'm like, all right, this is baffling. But then on the flip side, like the Browns, when they're supposed to be running out the clock, like throwing the ball constantly, the I'm ball. like, yeah. what are you doing? This is yeah. why you haven't won a playoff game in 25 years, you freaking idiots. Like, run the ball. run the you. That's the thing with the Browns. You actually have a super elite running game. Run it. I, yeah, I, I didn't get that either, but I already knew it was over, so I, w- I didn't get that much hope from it. I, I laughed at it, uh, but knew that it wouldn't produce what I was there for. Um, all right, so looking at next week, we'll go in the order that they'll be played. you got to pick them since you don't really do that online anymore. That's right. I'm above it. doesn't it. matter. I beat you last week anyway without you picking online. Um, Rams at the Packers, 430 on Saturday. Green Bay's favored by seven. We're not picking against the line. Who do you got winning it? I'll take the Packers with the spread. I got the Packers. I don't disagree with that. Ravens and Bills, the night game on Saturday on NBC. Buffalo's favored by two and a half when I wrote this. I don't know if that line's moved, but it aimed to be a close one. Joe, you like to pick against your team and then root for your team. Uh, I imagine that's what you're about to do. Yeah, it, it does feel like a loss here. I just think the Bills are a bad matchup. Their defense is really good, unlike the Titans. So I think that's going to be a problem for us. And... I just don't, I don't know. It felt like the Ravens had a big chip on their shoulder with the Titans, and it almost felt like we were celebrating so hard, and we were so focused on the narrative that Leland was trying to quote that, oh, Lamar's never going to win a playoff game. I mean, they were like, oh, the Lamar can't win a playoff game really took a big hit narrative, and I'm like, he's one and two. Like, okay. If he wins this week, which I'm picking the Bills, but if the Ravens win this week, yeah, then that's the off his back for sure. Show will open next week with the recording of you saying that he'll never win a playoff game. Like that's how that will be the opening sound. I don't know if Graham will get to play his guitar. It might just mm-hmm. be you saying that. So, winning a playoff game is winning a playoff game. He won a playoff game. I'm not. I'm not trying to say it's 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 the best thing ever, but he still has done it, and he can build off that. Even if they lose this week, they're an underdog this week and the bills are a pretty good team. This isn't a devastating loss. If they lose this week, this isn't at home. If he only has like a hundred yards passing, like he has in his other playoff games, it's absolutely a debilitating loss. I got the bills too. 
All right, Sunday, the Chiefs host the Browns uh, because the Browns went in. You got to go to the Bills instead of playing the Chiefs this yeah, week. Yeah, thank God. We both got the Chiefs. Uh, they going to win by 10? That's a good You know number. what? That's a good line. You That's know what? Number. No, because I think Cleveland runs the ball. I think it's going to be a close game because Cleveland wants to run the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. I think they keep him on the sideline, but it's just not enough because he's too good. I think the Chiefs win this game no matter what even if they have a slow start. But if you're a Chiefs fan, you really need to stop seeing those slow starts. So you, Well, I got news for you. If they fall behind 21-0 to Cleveland, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I'm not going to say but impossible because the Steelers almost did it. And if Now, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, will be back. And so hopefully he will be smarter than the special teams coach was in the fourth quarter. But Chiefs fell back like crazy last year to the Titans, a team that can really run the ball, and the Chiefs still came back. So I, I, it's not impossible, but the Chiefs are going to be living on edge if, if they're behind in this game But like two fours. Yeah, but I will also say this. The Cleveland Browns have two really good running backs versus the Titans one. So they'll be able to wear them down with two different people versus when okay. Derrick Henry starts to get tired, then they get tired. Yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs came back in the, in the first half, look last year so I, I don't know how tired Derrick Henry was there but he was super right. tired the Buccaneers pulled it out against the football team so they get to go to the Saints I I know you don't have a lot of faith in the Saints but I think the Saints win this game I, they beat the Buccaneers both times this year and I think they win this time too it's hard to beat a team three times I was super unimpressed with the Saints is this where we differ this is where we differ I think the Bucks you're will taking win this game. TB12 only because I hate him, and that's and the officials will give him some calls. I mean, that's what their job is to make sure Tom Brady makes it to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm two games up, so you have a chance to get only one game back. You want to flip any of those other ones? To try to tie me up? No, we got two more weeks left. Yeah, I used to do I I used to do that to Chip all the time on 1240. I used to <laughs> lure him in to trying to tie me. I am aware of how many games are left. I mean, look, if I'm being honest, the only reason Ohio State was picked last night was because I was just one back, and I was like, yeah, uh, sure. Not, and, and you heard how much I drilled you for that. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I knew what was going to happen in that game. Even when the game was close, I was just like, I, that was a game you could feel it. That it was about the wheels. It was just a moment of time before the wheels fell off, and then you have a bus sitting there on its axles. like, And the wheels are rolling yeah. away, and the kids are like, terrorizing the teacher like You've really thought about this analogy here <laughs> like the whole time i was like time, this is going to go so badly for ohio state and they don't even know it like <laughs> you're looking at those kids and they're like yeah why not us and i'm like well how much time do you have like <laughs> we don't need much time <laughs> all right let's get out of here let's get to patrick I. let's talk some high school sports Next on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Patrick Height from my count for the 14th time. And uh, Patrick, thanks for coming on you, with us. You've actually you've kept track of that? You've yeah, once once we got to like five on people, I started keeping track of everybody. So. so let's pick up where we failed our listeners last week and talk about this girl season that is underway now. But uh, let's help our listeners know what to expect this girl season uh, for the girls basketball hoop preview. Um, I know we got a couple games in and we've already seen some of the teams get some wins and some losses. 
So what are your just initial thoughts looking at the at the Shenandoah District girls uh, basketball season? I, I think you've probably got a, a clear line at some place between the, the, the teams that are really good in the district and the teams that, that have some work to do. Um, to me, the, the top two teams are probably the same top two teams from last year, Fort Defiance and Wilson Memorial. Um, and I'll be curious. It's so, as you guys, I'm sure, have talked about a lot. Of, it's so such a weird season, and with you know a lot less games and such a compact uh, time timeline that you're not quite sure how these teams are going to react to that. But if you just look at pure talent and, and what these two teams have coming back, Fort Defiance to me has the best player in the district in, in Kirby Ransom. I mean, you could throw other players in there. We could have a discussion. Maya Lucas at Buffalo Gap's obviously really good. Corinne Basket, Wilson's good, but but I really love Kirby Ransom. She's a junior. She has been a leader on that team since she was a freshman. And when she has the ball in her hand, something special is going to happen. And, and, and then you've also got Lillian Berry, who is a great softball player who's going to – she's a junior, but she's going to go play softball at Oregon State. She's already committed to there verbally. But you've got to think that on – in high school, if you're, a, if you're a good athlete, you're probably going to be good in multiple sports. And she's a really solid basketball player, and she gives that team a good one-two punch. Um, so I, I like this Fort team. Um, they're they're young. They've got one uh, one senior that's really good in Michaela Kirshner, who um, you, you know I, I think came on at the end of last year and is a good shooter. I like her. She's got a really good pretty shot, and I, I think she gives that team an outside threat. So I like this Fort Defiance team. Wilson is just senior heavy. I mean, they got six seniors, and I think in a season like this, that's important because. You don't have that time for a team to gel. You don't have that, you know, starting in December and, and watching your young players come along and hopefully by mid to, to late season, you're playing your best basketball. You've got to really be good out of the gate. And having six seniors, I think, helps because at least four of them have been there on the varsity since they were freshmen. Um, you've got Corinne Basto, I've already mentioned, but Madison Flint and Ashley Morani are very good and they can score as well. Um, and then the other seniors uh, can come in and, and really uh, Leanna Rankin is, is pretty solid as well. So I like that. I like that Wilson team. The thing that both Fort and Wilson have to worry about is that, you know, while they might play good in the regular season, they, they play in class three and you got to compete with, even to get out of your region, you got to compete with Spotswood and Turner Ashby. And it's just, every year we hear that maybe this is the year and last year Fort, lost to Spotswood in the regionals. And this year's Turner, uh, Wilson's already played Turner Ashby once and lost by 17 uh, on Monday night. Um, the Wilson's three and one. Well, that one loss is to a team that I, I think if I talked to Jackie, uh, Brian, the, the head coach uh, in preseason, that's the game she had circled really with Spotswood and Turner Ashby. You know, we got to be able to play good against these teams. First time out, they, they weren't able to do that. So, so they've got to improve there. Um, it, it, in region three, are they both going to be able to make the region last year? There was only one spot for the two of them. Is there a chance they both can well, make it? Uh, now last year, I, everything was very confusing down the stretch. I had heard that only one team could make it. And then toward the end, they were saying, well, based on points, maybe Wilson will get in. In fact, Wilson had thought heading into the last game or so that they were in or <laughs> based on points. And then it, they played their last game, and then they were told, no, you're, you're not in, um, which was really disappointing for that Wilson team. I know they took that hard. Um, so 
honestly, I haven't looked at it enough this year to know if both teams can get in. Um, I, I think it's more interesting, obviously, when to, to them it's not, but to us as fans, it's more interesting when only one can get in because it makes those Fort Wilson games really interesting. Um, so it'll be uh, I'll, I'll I'll be curious to see what happens there, but. But I think those are good battles. You know, I think those are that's developed into a really good rivalry the last couple of years. Um, and I think it'll be it's funny when I was talking to Jackie for the preseason, she kept talking about Spotswood and Turner Ashby. And I asked her, I finally had to ask her about Fort Defiance. She's like, oh, yeah, we play them later. We'll worry about them later. But I could see <laughs> it in the players eyes. They were ready They're, They want for it. I think they 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 have that rivalry. So it, that that's those are two good quality teams in the Shenandoah district. They need to be able to prove that they can play at a regional level. And then the other team I think is really good and could be at the top of that district is Riverheads. And they're also the one team that they can make a deep run in the playoffs. They've been in class one. You know, a lot of people make, you know, blame them for that. All they can do is, is play the games in front of them. Right. And so they're in class one, they've made a run to the, uh, to the state semifinals the last couple of years. They got most of that firepower back from last year. I think there's a really good, um, good Riverheads team. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they can do. I think they can compete in the Shenandoah. I think they can compete with Wilson and Fort. But I think once the playoffs start, you can see them make another run this year. Another, you mentioned Amaya Lucas out of Gap. Uh, I kind of look at her, you know, right like you said, up there with uh, with one of the best players in the district. Does she have enough help out there at Buffalo Gap to? let them kind of relive some of the success they've had in region two B and, and not the so distant past, or is it just the Lucas show and, and, and ride her as deep as they can get? Yeah. I, I really don't know if she has, has enough help to make that team, you know, where they were three years ago, I guess when they, uh, when they went to the state championship game, um, they're, they're not back to that level. Now, they on we're recording this Tuesday night. They just wrapped up a game against uh, um, Wilson. They lost, but they played competitively. Now, my, I didn't get a chance to watch all of that game. I watched parts of it. I'm not sure if that's more of a case of Wilson playing their fourth game in five nights, or if if Buffalo Gap is is starting to to kind of get it together. But but Amaya Lucas is obviously the star of that team. Um, uh, they've got, uh, um, Ostrander who's, who's pretty good on there as well. Um, Kylie Shiflett's pretty good. So they've got some other pieces. That's one of those teams. I think if they had more time, if they had a longer season, uh, especially with, with, uh, Philip Morgan as the coach, I think they could come together and, and you might see them playing well at the end, but only playing a regular season. That's going to last what a, a month, uh, it's going to be tough for them to, to really put it together. So I kind of put them to me, I could Wilson Fort Riverheads. And then I think there's a definite line right there. And then you've got the other teams who, who really need to just, we'll, we'll see if they can, if they can come together quickly or not. But, but I don't think those other teams are quite in that level of those three. So when it comes to Stanton and draft, obviously, you know, being in class two and they even gap to an extent as well. Uh, but region B class two, with the Larays, the Pages, the Madisons, do you see any of those teams being able to maybe wiggle their way into a region final? Or is this going to be Larray, 
uh, Page, Madison, and even Strasburg still in the Bull Run yeah. District is like the the heavy predominant favorites. And the Shenandoah District is just kind of, you know, that those teams they'll knock out in the first round. Yeah, I, I do not see these teams now. You know, Stanton has got some talent, and and you saw flashes last year. Um, Emma Witt is back, and she's really good. In fact, it's interesting. I haven't had a chance to talk to her this year. She told me last year she was planning on transferring. So I thought, wow, Stanton's really going to be hurting this year. But she's she's back. She's on the roster. She's playing this year. So I'm not sure what happened there. Um, but but I you know I, I like that the Stanton team. They they've got some talent with her um, and Kaziah Williams uh, gives them a little bit of size and she plays plays well as uh, also. But I, I just don't think they have the talent to, to compete on a region level. And then Stewart's draft, you know, they've got a brand new coach, well, an old coach this year in, in James Carter who who was the girls coach and then you know when uh, he, he stepped aside Brad DeWitt took over and now with Brad going to the boys team James is back I thought they you know they got into the regionals last year and they looked good at times their problem is they, they lost some seniors that were key and then McKinley Fitzgerald who was was one of the better players in the district she's gone she transferred she was a uh, she would have been back this year but she decided to transfer so You've you've really got uh, you know some some younger players. Um, you've got a brand a brand new coach to them. I, I'm sure a, a lot of these players know know Coach Carter, but still he's he's kind of brand new to to them as far as coaching basketball. So I'm not sure that they are going to be good enough, fast enough to compete at the regional level either. Um, and then we already said Buffalo Gap. I just don't know if you know maybe Amaya Lucas is good enough to to put them on their shoulders at times, but I just don't think any of those three teams can com- compete or make any kind of deep run in, in region two. All right. So you kind of named the top dogs for the girls side. We covered the guys last week, but just real quick, we kind of had a quartet of teams for the top of the boys side. What team do you like? If you had to bet on one team coming out of um, the, to win the Shenandoah district, who would you pick? I mean, you have Stewart's draft who isn't what they were last year with the new coach. Um, a lot and of other system, familiar right? things. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, pick one. It's a tough the, question. I think, <laughs> cause I think that, I think that district is really competitive from top to bottom. Like I, I don't think you have a standout team. I don't think you have a dominant team this year, but I don't think you have any really bad teams either. I mean, Fort last year struggled or, early but then i think late in the season came along and i think this year they're they're better riverheads lost a lot of talent off that team from from last year um so wow if i had to pick one you know i guess right now i go with stanton yeah um, it's a default stanton because, answer yep <laughs> wow. it, it probably is i, I yeah just, I, I i i you know they've got a i i just think that they're probably the the team to uh to to pull to pull it off, uh, they've got enough talent on that team. Uh, they're two and zero right now. They play two close games, um, but they've been able to win. And I think that's all you're going to see this year is a bunch of close games. And so far, they've proven that they can they can win those games. So, so I'll go with Stan if, if I'm forced to pick one. But, but I would not be surprised really if uh, if if any of those teams come out of there. Um, you know, give them give me come back to me in a couple of weeks, and I might change my answer on that. So when we're looking at the boys' side of things again, uh, you mentioned Stanton's two and zero. I had the opportunity to 
go to the draft Wilson game and I was kind of surprised at how much Wilson was relying on the offensive glass to get their points uh, and struggling down low. It looks like draft, even without the, you know, full court press kind of rampant pace of three ridiculous. It looks like they're still managing to play solid defense. What was your takeaway from that game? No, I think they are. I, Brad DeWitt is a really good coach, right? I mean, uh, I mean, he, he learned from his dad, uh, CJ DeWitt. I thought was a, a great coach out at, at Waynesboro. I think Brad is a good, and I think he's gonna gonna be a very successful boys coach. So I, I I'm a, with you. I like the Stewart's draft team as well, and I think they'll uh, they could be really really good late in the season. I keep saying late in the season, but it feels like you know it's <laughs> gonna be late in the season here in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think they they got it, they look like they got it done on defense. Uh, they got enough offense to to get things done if they have to. Um, it's it's not this crazy system that that worked at times, but really until last year they never made a run into the state tournament with that system. So maybe they, it was time for a different change. I, I like Brad. I like his energy. Um, I like Stewart Wilson. I don't know what to make of them yet. I, I think they could be. I think they could be pretty good. I mean, they've got uh, you know we hear a lot about Jackson Hartman. He's he's had a big game already one one game this year so I think he's he's pretty good. You have Finn Irving uh, as a sophomore, I, he really yeah. shined last year as a freshman. I, I think you're going to see big things from him. Um, they've got a they've got some they're they're kind of a young team. They've only really got a couple of seniors on that on that roster. So I, I like Wilson as well. That's why I said I I think it's really tough to pick a team because it's really balanced all over. Even look at Fort. They've got t- uh, with Ryan Cook. They're never out of a game. Like the kid can sc- yeah. <laughs> just rolls out of bed and scores. You know, he's he's a baseball stud, but but he is really good at basketball. In fact, if, if he wasn't so good at baseball, right? I, I think there would be some schools looking at him to, to play basketball at the next level. So, um, so I, I really think it's a, it's going to be a. I wish we had a longer year. Uh, to watch this because I think it's going to be a fun competitive year. I'm not sure if you have any dominant teams. I'm sure you have any teams that could make a, a run to a state tournament this year, but I think within the district, within the regular season, it's going to be really competitive. Okay. Well, you already answered my next question then was East rock, probably still the region champion, but who's going to be that team to finish second. And you're, you're saying maybe, but not for sure. If one of these teams will be, the runner up. In, I'm just not sure. I'm just region. not sure that, that any of these teams have, I mean, you guys know as well as I, you, you've watched a lot of these games. You, you would know just as well as me, but I, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it this year. I just don't see any of these teams with a, with a real chance at, at making that, that run. Um, although at this point last year, I'm not sure I would have seen Stewart's draft get into the state tournament either. Yeah. Um, I think this year would have lended itself nicely to the the sewer draft style because that's what you know you always benefited sewer draft was playing the teams that weren't ready for them and that style. I, I think it would have benefited from this year. Oh yeah, with not only that style and you're not ready for them, but but if you three you games to a wear week. down teams and when you're going to play this many games in a week, playing against Stewart's draft would just you know you'd see teams that that would maybe stick with them for a half, but the, yeah. the second half draft would own it. So. So yeah, maybe maybe this is maybe Mike Gale left one year too early. Um, he could have had a had a pretty good run with his team, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe somebody will come out of this. Maybe Stanton 
will will be able to, to pull something off and, and make it to the state. Because I love Terrell Mickens. I think he's a. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he can get the most out of his talent. Yeah. Um, I think he's a really good coach, and and so they don't really have any household names on that Stanton team this year. Um, but I think looking at what they've done so far, yeah, maybe maybe that's the team that can can make a run. Nobody's touching East Rock though, right? I mean, nobody's touching. No, East. no, they're they're a mile ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um. I do want to ask you about this because we didn't touch it in the first segment. And I, I want I'd rather have the conversation with someone that actually cares about this team more than we do. Your Washington football team uh, made it to the playoffs and surprisingly out of that terrible division, but still they got there and, th- and then they played ball on Saturday night against the uh, Buccaneers and you had the Heineke kid playing quarterback. You know what, what was your reactions while all that was going on Saturday night, you know, home playoff game in the NFL playoffs. Um, I was excited. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, I, I don't know. I, I watched some of the fans toward the end of the season saying, lose games, get a higher draft pick. You know, maybe that works if you're a Jets fan or a Jacksonville fan. We're only going to win a couple of games. Yeah. And you want that top draft pick, but I think it's hey, the Eagles point, did that, right? <laughs> geez, that was just, that was a dismal Sunday night game. Um, but I think at some point, if you're a, a sports fan, that's horrible to root against your team, right? You, you, you want to. I, I think Joe does it all the time. No, <laughs> not all the time. I, you know, I'm okay with seven and nine. I'm, I, they made, to me, this team has struggled for so long. The culture of the winning culture has not been there. It's all, you've always been waiting for something bad to happen. Still, Dan Snyder's the owner, so bad stuff could happen. But, Rivera has been a great coach. I think he started to change the culture there. I think you see this team at seven and nine. They won the the the, the East. They played they they played well against Tampa Bay on Saturday night. I think next year, and, and quarterbacks a big question, and they need some help on the offensive line. They need some help in the secondary. I mean, Tom Brady just tore them apart the other night. So they they there's places they need help. But I think this is a team that. The next year can hope to at least you know maybe maybe get nine maybe ten wins if things come have together a, have a winning uh, record yeah yeah <laughs> I, 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 hey in Washington that's big that is big right now right I mean we're we're not we're not Pittsburgh we're we're not always uh, going to be a, a good team so I think I don't know I enjoyed this season yeah as much as I've enjoyed any season that I. In, I don't know, much as I've enjoyed any season, probably since Joe Gibbs left the first time, right? I mean, uh, they've made it probably off a few times in that stretch, but... Uh, and, and, oh, that and, RG3 year was good. You had to okay, enjoy RG3 that. RG3 year was great, yeah, yeah. it, it did. Uh, I, it, because, and, and that was kind of felt like this year. You, you started to have hope, right? You, and, and you started to think, well, maybe this team is turning a corner. Um, and then and then it just everything happened with RG3 and the injury, and it just it went downhill from there. You know, I'm curious what they do at quarterback. Um, everybody, um, you know, is Alex Smith coming back? Uh, and, and should he come back? Let's hope uh, not. I, 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 know. I yeah. I don't want to see him bleeding through his sock again. Like, maybe, I don't want him talking maybe. about his calf, you know, loosening up when I'm like, what calf are we talking about here? Like his bone, yeah. the bottom of his legs not yeah. loosening up? My, I, I'm with you, but, but Rivera is big on Kyle Allen. So, you know, maybe, maybe he's the guy. Um, next year, we'll see. I, I don't think they need to 
maybe a maybe a later round draft pick on a quarterback that that's a project. But I don't think you go for a high one of your your high draft picks for for a quarterback. I think you you improve around the quarterbacks you have. You improve that offensive line, give them more protection. Yeah, offensive line sounds good. That defense is really good. I mean, that defense up front, at least the front part of the the front four, that defense is solid, and um, they can. And, and they can win games with defense. If they can just have an adequate offense, I think they can start to win games with, with defense. And, and let's face it, in the NFC East, really, it's up for grabs. I mean, Philadelphia's going to have a, a brand-new coach now. Uh, who knows what to expect out of Dallas. Um, every year they, they give their fans hope, and then they fall apart. Yeah, they uh, had a Giants. good offense early this year, and now they're going to – it looks like they're adding Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator – I, I think I think the NFC East is going to get tough real quick and with decent, like tough decently. I think the Giants are on the up, which you're about to say, and uh, I think Dallas, like all they were missing earlier this year, was their was their defense. If they can get a good coach in there and add some players over there, their offense can can score. So I I think yeah, the I, th- I think East you're going to see competitive. It was competitive this year. I think you're going to see that continue <laughs> to be competitive, but all of a sudden they're all going to be good. Right? Yeah. they're going to go from from being competitive because everybody's bad to being competitive because, because everybody's good. So, yeah. so yeah, I really think the NFC East could, could, they're not going to, they, they, they're not going to probably get back to the point where they used to be, where the, the team that came out of the NFC East was, was probably your Super Bowl champ, but I think they can get back to be being respectable. Yeah. Maybe not next year, but you know, that I, think that I keep, I'm optimistic. I, I'm not a giant. I'm not prone to be a Giants fan. I generally don't like the Giants, but, I just think they have a lot of good pieces and I've been kind of riding that all year. Um, and I don't know. I, I like that Jerry Jones is making better decisions down there. I, I like that. He's listening to other people uh, for the, for the sake of that football. I don't really like it. Cause I wish they just lose every game, but. Well, that's kind of with me and Dan Snyder. I'm like, it seems like Dan Snyder has finally stepped back. Um, I'm still waiting for them to, to maybe they, figure a way to force him out of that and uh, the NFL to force him out. But it feels like he's turned over uh, the football decisions to people that actually know football. Now, they interviewed a, that. They interviewed a GM like out of San Francisco today. So like that's interviewing a GM is a good sign. <laughs> it's a good sign as long as he stays that way. We there's been glimmers in the past that maybe maybe he's learned his lesson and he's going to stay away, and then he just can't resist and he 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 sticks his hand back into the football operations. Let's hope for now that he's, he's learned his lesson, that he lets the football guys handle it, and he just stays out of it. If so, then I think good things could happen for this Washington team. Um, and maybe they'll pick a name, too. That'll be the other thing. Maybe, maybe they'll, Although, for Christmas, my wife did get me a Washington football team sweatshirt and a T-shirt. So if they go and pick hey. a name this offseason, I'm going to have to buy a new sweatshirt for next year. Yeah, you got to put that money in Dan Snyder's pocket somehow, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I think the best news for you guys, though, is in terms of like turning over a new leaf is your head coach, Ron Rivera. I mean, he's going to fight Dan Snyder on some of that stuff. And the more he has success there, the more fan backing he'll have. And the it's the more leverage he'll have against Dan Snyder. Like, you can't get rid of me because I am the coach who's come in here and taken you to the playoffs year one. Um, and 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 now stadium back up. Yeah, exactly. And gotten these people back into believing in your team. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I think, I think this year what he did, uh, the, the the whole personal story, right? I mean, yeah. the, the cancer battle, and then getting them to the playoffs. Right now, DC is 
is in love with Ron Rivera. And if he can keep this up, that's right. Dan Snyder, he better not step in the way of that. Or, um, you know, so, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that, that having Rivera as coach, I loved it when they made the hire. I'm, I'm even happier now. Um, I think there's good things ahead for, for that football team. And finally, because, you know, I love other sports. But, man, growing up, I was such a huge Washington fan, and, and the NFL was what I loved. And it's been so tough the last, I say few years, but it's been tough you know, the last 20 years because you just knew you weren't going to be competitive. And so finally to be able to, to go into an offseason um, thinking, wow, maybe if they find the right pieces, maybe next year this is a team that can, can make a run in the playoffs. Maybe they can win a couple of games. Maybe they can get to an NFC championship. And maybe a few years from down the road, maybe we can talk Super Bowl. It, it's exciting. Because Washington is a sports town. Like Tony Kornheiser always says that, that Washington is a football town, right? I mean, no matter the, the Nationals won a World Series, I know that. The Caps won a, a Stanley Cup. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. All of that's great. We love it. But Washington is a football town. Um, and and the, the Washington team's always going to be, um, if they're successful, even a little successful, that's going to always be the, the team that everybody talks about in town. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, the football team definitely the the biggest story in DC right now. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, no, nothing else. Just, nothing we're just gonna leave that laying DC, out there. Nothing else going on in DC at all right now. Sure. All right, so I'm I'm on my second rewatch of West Wing in a year, um, because that's how badly I needed it. Um, <laughs> I moved over to HBO Max seamlessly, so it it I'm not I'm not dying there. But what have you been watching? other than school board meetings and, uh, you know, basketball on the internet, what have you been binge watching or what, what do our listeners need to get into? This is really interesting because I knew you guys were going to ask me that. I haven't really been watching a whole lot since the holiday. So early, like late November, early December, I started watching Peaky Blinders based off of Joe's yes. recommendation. And I really like it. Like I'm a couple of seasons in and I really like it. But then... I had some things go on, uh, family, um, emergency, my dad's surgery and so forth. And so like right mid December, um, I just had so much going on that I could not keep watching it. Um, I want to get back into that. So I really like it. So really I, you know, I watched the Mandalorian like, like every other Star Wars fan, but recently, so at the beginning of January, I always tell myself I'm going to read more. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to read more. My daughter got me an audible subscription and my wife got me a new kindle for christmas so i've been trying to do that instead of trying to find a new program right now to watch i've been trying to read so so right now i've got one book on audible that i'm listening to and another on my kindle that i'm reading we'll see if i can do that it, it sounds good to say you read more i mean it makes you sound smart <laughs> nobody that knows me is going to believe that too much but but i'm trying to do that right now um and and just kind of waiting for another so maybe if i get time I'll, I'll pick up uh, Peaky Blinders and keep watching that. Because I did enjoy the first couple of seasons. It was a good suggestion, Joe. I, I did enjoy that. And I, I, I hate that I got out of it. I just need to, to get back into watching that again. I mean, you, you don't have to, the, to dodge the question with I'm reading, so I don't have an answer. I mean, Chris Lasseter gave us, gave us book recommendations when we had him. I mean, that, well, that's, right an now, accept, that's an acceptable binge. Well, right now, <laughs> I am listening on Audible to such a fun age which is um, a, a book by Kylie Reed. I think it's a, a 2000, 
2018. It's, it's only a couple of years old. Um, really good story. So it's um, it's about a young uh, black woman who uh, is just out of college. She's hired as a babysitter for this white family. She um, takes the child to a grocery store and is confronted by a police officer who thinks she kidnapped this white child, right? And so I'm really, I'm, I'm a couple chapters into it now. And so we've seen that happen. And we've learned a lot about her background and her family and the white family that she babysits for. We've learned a lot about them. Um, and now I'm kind of waiting for what happens after after that, because she finally talked her way out of the uh, the store and, and nothing happened there. But but obviously somebody took video of that. And so we're going to wait and see what happens there. So that's a good that's a good book. I'm really enjoying that. And then the book I'm reading on my Kindle is a little older um, but it's a uh, wild, um, from by Cheryl Strayed. Uh, it's a memoir that, uh, she hiked the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. Um, uh-huh. I really love like the Appalachian Trail and I've read books about people hiking that. And, and I'm fascinated with that. I, like if I actually was in shape and, and energetic, I might actually think about hiking parts of the Appalachian Trail at some point, but I've always heard about the Pacific Crest Trail out on, on the West coast. I didn't know a whole lot about it. So um, it's a lot less crowded than the Appalachian Trail. It doesn't get nearly the traffic. Um, and so this is a good story. It's a, it's a woman who, wow. who was, her mother passed away. Um, her, um, she got a divorce. Um, and she is just trying to figure out her life and decided on a whim, I'm going to hike the Pacific Coast Trail. And is trying to do that without a lot of, a lot of hiking experience, without training for it. Um, and uh, like I said, it's a true story. So, so it's... Uh, that's that's been a really interesting read. I've enjoyed that. So, well, you know, well, I'll, I'll give both of those as suggestions. You know why? Bu- you know why the Pacific Crest Trail is less crowded is because the Grizzlies eat all the people on the trail. Sure. <laughs> she's already seen one bear so far. So in in the reading, she See? saw one bear, and she's trying to convince herself it's a black bear. So. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so we'll when you're trying to convince yourself it's a black bear, that's not a good sign. Well, here's the, here's the thing I I tell myself. She wrote the story about their trip, so the bear didn't. The bear did not eat her. I, I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, so, you know, it's like one of those documentaries. I guess that's where they're true. They're actually yeah. talking to the person. You're like, okay, I, I know. I guess they live. The limitations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think they found the uh, half-written manuscript in her uh, in her backpack after after she was eaten. So, uh, wow, wouldn't that be a twist? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be maybe. Hey, who knows? Maybe that's what I'm. I mean, I'm going to get in the last half of this book. I'll find that out. But, but no, I, I love both of those books. They're really interesting. And um, um, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm at the point where she's getting ready. She's on a break now. Uh, she's she's taking a couple of days off. And she's getting ready to hike into where it's really snowy. That's the great thing about California that I think is so amazing is that how fast you can go from desert heat to, oh, yeah. to snow-covered mountains. So Yeah, we went to San Francisco when I was in like middle school and like we were in San Francisco. We went to a giants game. It's June. Um, you know, it was warm. And then we went to Lake Tahoe and it was snowing. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm enjoying this book and I'm enjoying both of those. I, I haven't been a big audible guy, but I thought it would be an interesting test to see, you know, if I like listening to a book and so far I've enjoyed it. I've, I've liked the experience. So we'll see. Awesome. Well, that's some good recommendations there. But we'll get you back on TV, uh, binging and the, the lazy way of being entertained uh, by the next time we get on. That's the requirement for number 15. 
Um, give, me, but... <laughs> give me give me some heads up before you let me in again, and I'll I'll start binging something at that point. Although I will say, um, I saw that uh, starting this week on Disney Plus, so the fifteenth on Disney Plus is WandaVision, and uh, Joe and I have discussed that. I know that uh, the Marvel stuff. I love it. That one in particular, I'm, not super, so not weird. interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking. I'm really pumped. All right, it. we'll I, have you I, on for I, a review I, of WandaVision. <laughs> I don't know. I like those two characters. I like Vision. I I like them in the Marvel stuff. And so I'm, I don't know. My wife always accused me of liking weird stuff. The previews I've seen for this is pretty weird. I'm excited. I'm pumped. <laughs> I, I, maybe it won't live up to what I'm thinking about, but I'm looking forward to it. So. Well, all right. Well, good, we'll leave that Good too. for you, you know? <laughs> Do you, man. <laughs> is this... Have we heard anything bad about it? I mean, it just looks super odd. Yeah. Now, thank you, Leland. We haven't seen it, but based on the trailer, I'm out. If this is Shark Tank, I'm out. Super odd is great, though. I mean, super. super, I like super odd. I mean, I love you two guys, so I love super odd. Yeah, I mean that's fair, but. If if people are start comparing us to WandaVision, like I'm gonna be like, oh, Lila and I might be doing something wrong. I don't. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. After I watch an episode or two, I will will tweet you guys. I will I will let you know exactly how how I feel about it. But at what this a... point, I'm I'm high on it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. So. I think you will need to be high on it. What a great <laughs> segment for Patrick and Leland to pitch various shows to me, and I'll be like Shark Tank, and I'll be like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Does it have the rock? I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> it's about Marvel. And when I watched the trailer, I immediately wanted to shut off my TV. So for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick. Well, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, we'll watch out for WandaVision. Not watch it, but just watch <laughs> out for it. And uh, we'll get you back on here in a couple weeks. I'm sure as basketball's wrapping up or football's getting going, we'll have plenty to talk about and we look forward to it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Patrick. D block time. And thanks again to Patrick Height coming on. And we, we, we kind of get into D block territory with Patrick Height every time he's on. We we're always talking about the, the binging and stuff. But, you know, good for him for wanting to like walk the Appalachian Trail. Like, I, I mean, there is zero no, percent of me that wants to yeah. walk the Appalachian or Pacific Coast nah. or Pacific Crest or whatever it's called. Um, I don't want to walk the Pacific Coast. I don't want to walk the Pacific Crest. I don't want to walk the Appalachian Trail. No. I had a buddy that used to walk around Stanton just to like save gas, and I thought he was nuts. I'm not going to walk from Georgia to I don't New mind York. walking like for exercise, but just like the idea of like, I want to hike the Appalachian Trail. No. Like, and I, I don't know. I've always been a person that needs like a ball out there for me to run down. Bears. Like I've never been a cross country runner or walker. Like I need a, a goal. Bears, snakes. Those are the two big ones. If you go to the Pacific, then you got to worry about mountain lions. I mean, no. Oh, there's mountain lions over here, man. Allegedly. Other than your detest of walking the Amer- the Appalachian Trail, what is dominating your life? It's a big week for Liverpool. They play their heated rivals, Manchester United, not once, but twice within seven days. 
It starts this is like in, a Browns Brown Steelers situation here. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be upsetting. So right now we're three points behind Manchester United in the Premier League table. On the 17th, which is Sunday, I believe, at 1130, we will play Manchester United. Uh, and if we win, we're back to top of the table. If we lose, equal on points, but ahead on goal differential. If we lose or draw, we're still behind them. And then we play them again in the FA Cup, which I could give. I mean, if we beat them, great. If, we, if we're going to split, I want to win the Premier League one. I don't really care as much about the FA Cup. So Sundays is a bigger deal. Um, it's important. We haven't looked good in our last few matches. And, and that's what worries me is we've had draws against West Brom, Newcastle, and then we lost to Southampton. All of those teams are teams we should just be absolutely destroying. And so to have two draws and a loss, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence going in and playing a team like Man United who's playing quite well. Well, that's good. That's not I good. Will... That's bad. No, that's good that you play them twice is what I was moving on to. Sunday at what time? Sunday at 1130. That's the one that really counts. That's doable. That's and if doable. we win, then, then you know, the FA Cup's gravy. But if we lose this, I'm... I'd be really sad. It could be coming off a Saturday night loss, too. I mean, this could be really a weekend to put the positive vibes and Joe deck being nicer in 2021 to a real test. <laughs> That'd be like most people's workout plan, new year workout plans. It'll, it'll be over in three weeks, huh? It might the be. Niceness. <laughs> All right. So what's dominating my life is I watch a really good movie that I really recommend uh, for anybody. Uh, it, it, it's a movie that only adults would appreciate and probably appropriate for nothing too terrible, but uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. It is a solid, solid movie that I think was in Academy Award talk last year. Uh, I don't think it's the best movie ever made, but I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it had a really good cast with uh, Shia LaBeouf, who's a crazy person, but can really act. Uh, Dakota Johnson was in it, uh, and I have not really other seen other films that I like. <laughs> <laughs> and then some... Uh, you know, Thomas Hayden Church, he was a guy that was on Wings. He was like the the dopey uh, mechanic from Wings. Uh, and he's done some other stuff since then, but he he plays a role in this. But it centers around a troublemaker play, named Tyler, played by Shia LaBeouf, who um, kind of needs to go on the run. And parallel but unconnected, there is a kid with Down syndrome who breaks away from uh, the place he's staying at. Uh, and he's on the run voluntarily there and they cross paths and then team up and go. And, uh, it's a really good movie and seeing the interaction between those two and, um, the lessons that kind of can get taught through that and for other people to kind of see those, um, it's good. I, I really enjoy it. It's an hour 40 minute movie. So it's not like one of those three hour epic movies that take up your whole day. It's a, it's a quick, enjoyable watch that i highly recommend and uh I, I think we watched it on on hulu so if you're looking for a nice movie to watch there you go okay what do you know that we need to know leland 
I, and I, my motivation for this is what you already brought up once with, with some of my Steelers players, particularly Juju Smith-Schuster. I just, I, I don't, I don't like the TikTok stuff in or around the field. If it's a post-game locker room celebration, little thing, whatever, I, I, that's fine. But the pre-game dances on the other team's logo or just the distraction of it, I'm just not, I'm not here for it. He refers to himself as a um, social media influencer. Like, come on, like, be a football player, you know? Like, let's try that. And, and I get people out there can make a lot of money on social media. I believe he has greater opportunity for success with his football playing because he is a talented player. Uh, it just seems like he's fallen into a mold of a crazy person at wide receiver for the Steelers that I don't appreciate. And I also believe he's a free agent. And that's why, like, what's happened just this season with him with that, I, I don't want to lose him, but I'm not going to cry if he goes. And I was holding on to the fact that it didn't seem like Chase, Chase Claypool was too wrapped up in it. But here at the end of the season, all of a sudden he was involved a lot more. And even after, like, I guess it was Juju that said the Browns are still the Browns. And then they went out there and lost to him. And then Chase Claypool was like, oh, they're going to get rocked next week on his own little social media stuff. And I just don't like it. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm not saying it's, you know, should be the law of the league that they can't do it. I just wish they would choose better to not use it that way or even really be on it. I just... I don't see what benefit there is to their career by doing this. Juju Smith-Schuster was making pizza commercials before TikTok. So don't tell me it's for fame. I, I He can be famous. You know how you can get really famous is by being very good at sports and you don't need all this other stuff. So it just seems like a supplement when you could just be good at the, at your career and, and not have to worry about it. So I like Claypool a lot. So I hope like that was a fleeting thing. Um, Cause I would like to hold on to that big, strong receiver. Um, but we'll see what happens, but I, I just overall, and I, and I know what I'm saying could get applied to outside sports, but at the moment, that's my point is that I just wish people would make better choices with social media instead of, you know, I'm not trying to mandate anything. I just wish they would be better. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I just think the funniest part about Claypool in particular is like what you said when he's like, oh, well, they're going to get clapped next week against the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm like, you just got clapped at home by a team that didn't have a head coach and other members of their staff and starters due to COVID at home. Yeah. Like, what are you talking no, about? Oh, well, After talking yeah. crap the entire week leading up, like, what are you talking about? Also, you had on Twitter earlier, like, losing, never heard of her. Like, that tweet surfaced on Sunday night. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, cool. Like, maybe you they just... five of their last six. Shut up. Yeah, maybe yeah. you just be quiet and be like, hey, we didn't close well, and uh, we'll try to get better next year. Like, it's okay at to say ben, that. At least Ben owned it. Like, Ben was like, yeah. I, you know, I had to play better. Like, I, I, I can knock on Ben and say I'm kind of done with him, but, you know, in certain circumstances. But, like, at least the guy owned it. And, like, that guy's grown up a lot. Like, look at an example of people that made mistakes in their career off the field who have pulled it together and been a better person since. It doesn't make up for bad things they did, but it, they've been a better person since. Like, maybe – I just wonder, like, why doesn't he have more influence on these younger guys that maybe keep them out of that unneeded light over there? I hear you. I don't know. All right, what do you know that I need to know, Joe? Well, Leland, what I know that 
you and other people need to know is um, we've tiptoed around this some. We've we've not mentioned names a lot of particular people that we think help instigate this kind of thing. But what happened at the Capitol last week is unacceptable. And if you find what happened at the Capitol building anything less than unacceptable, then I'm sorry, I just don't have time for you, and I don't value your opinion on how this country should be run. I, I, I think to see what happened last week and to understand that that was caused in large part by the President of the United States fueling totally foundless lacking of evidence conspiracy theories, that's troubling to me. We're not talking... And my problem isn't with Republicans. We're not talking about tax policy or health care or education or any of a number of issues that we can have disagreements on and still come together at the end and be friends. We're talking about cold, hard facts. Donald Trump lost this election fair and square. And how I know it is true is he has had an insane amount of court cases. It's got to be close to 100 court cases, and he's lost every single one of them, even with conservative judges, because they say, where is your evidence? And they say, well, we don't have any. And then that's the end of the case. When you don't have any evidence of voter fraud, it's because there wasn't voter fraud. And you lost. It happens. Donald Trump won the election in 2016, so he got to be president. What we didn't see was Barack Obama say, this election was rigged and you should storm the Capitol. We should all go to the Capitol. And I'll go with you. We didn't see Hillary say that. And then we didn't see a bunch of people storm the Capitol building and break in and try to stop the certification of the Electoral College. In 2020, in 2020, Donald Trump lost the election because he did not get more votes than Joe Biden and he did not win the Electoral College because he did not win enough states. Yet we saw in the entire aftermath this this election is being stolen this election is being stolen because he knows these people are susceptible to this and they will listen to anything he says that is where we have gone wrong in our country we need to recognize these people are people and mike pence showed more leadership in that one day than donald trump has shown in his entire four years of being president of this country when he finally took charge when he realized the president wasn't going to do it and he was involved in calling the National Guard. That is what leadership is. And when he got on the floor of the Senate and said, we will not be stopped by a mob of thugs, that is leadership. Donald Trump is not a leader. Donald Trump is a con man and allowing him to run this country for four years will do damage that will take decades to reverse. He has brought out a segment of the population and emboldened them that did not need to be emboldened. They should have been shamed. And if you think that there isn't white privilege, and again, Leland and I, we're we're both white people, but I think we both recognize there are things we don't have to worry about that other people do. And when people kneel during the national anthem, it's not because they hate America. They're trying to bring your attention to something that they're going through. They're asking to be treated equally in this country. They're asking to not be shot by police officers. They're asking 
to just be treated like human beings and like Americans, like you and me and Leland. That's what they're asking for. And if you needed evidence of of the difference in this country, look back in the summer. In D.C., there were peaceful protests, and we had crowds dispersed so Donald Trump could go take a picture at a church. Here, we had people breaking into the Capitol. The National Guard lined up at the Capitol to prevent Black Lives Matter people from getting anywhere near that building. Here, the people got in. The National Guard wasn't there until after. If you can't see the difference there, I don't know how else to paint it to you. It's a, I mean, it's the difference between a protest and a riot, and that and that's what this turned into. I, you know, I, I understand people went to D.C. with plenty of people went to D.C. that didn't even go near the Capitol. Um, and their intent was to protest and show up in numbers and, but um, but, you know, but no, have, Leland, no, 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 they're... And have the image. Give me a second. Give me, give me a second. And, and have the image of the of the numbers there in support. Um, I don't see how when what you were at turns into a riot that is violent, that violent and people died from it, how then you are still promoting what you were doing beforehand when it turned right into that. And it was led that way because of the people talking on that stage. I don't, I don't understand how that didn't at least address, like make you maybe think, man, it wasn't a great day for our nation. Maybe I shouldn't be proud that I went to DC that day. You know, you did, and you can live with what happened there. But if you weren't part of the Capitol stuff, I wouldn't be promoting that you were in DC that day. I went to a, a football game and, and a, bro- a fight broke out. I'm probably not going to talk about like, you know, what part I was part of. What part. I'd probably stay pretty silent about it. And that's a theoretical thing there. But like a protest is your voice being heard and showing up in numbers and talking about those and, and creating, being part of big crowds like Donald Trump likes to see in front of him while he's talking. What we saw at the Capitol was a riot with violence and um, policemen being attacked and people being where they shouldn't. And, um, very obviously shouldn't, you know, it's not going down a street or staying out after curfew. It was breaking and entering and damaging and, and entering people's offices. I, it's just two different things. And, and, and I, there's nothing you can look back from this summer and compare what we just saw to, cause it's not the same. It's not the same. We didn't see anybody storm a federal building and violently try to take it over and, and have plans to stay there all night. It's just, it was unacceptable. Well, and you only have one side threatening to attack state capitals across the country on Inauguration Day. And if that's the side you're on, I'm sorry, you're on the wrong side. This election wasn't stolen. Donald Trump isn't a Republican. Donald Trump is a Donald Trump fan. And that's where his, that's where it ends. So to people thinking I'm attacking Republicans, I'm not. I know plenty of people that are Republicans that I like and I get along with just fine. Again, we're not talking about tax policy. We're not talking about healthcare policy. We're not talking about education or immigration or how you think, you know, small government versus big government. We're talking about a person that is living in a fantasy land and is spreading lies to rile people up to attack his enemies. That is not America. That is not an American ideal. And I'll be honest with you, totally upfront, 
when Colin Kaepernick started kneeling during the national anthem, I didn't like it. But as time has gone on, I've started to see, and I started to talk to people that don't look the same as me, and I started to see what they have to go through, and I'm seeing it play out in front of me on national television, and I get it now. They don't live in the same kind of world that we live in. They don't have the same experiences I have. They live in a different country than you and me. They live in a country where they're scared because they're not treated equally. And when you see somebody walking with the Confederate flag through the national capital, a flag that resembled a country that tried to keep them in chains, subhuman, at best three-fifths of a person, that's what they're fighting. And so if you can't understand that and you think kneeling uh, um, during the national anthem is disrespectful, yet still support the the election was stolen and these people were just angry about their election being stolen and their country being taken from them. You're wrong. And when generations from now, people look back in this, in history books, they're going to look at people thinking like that and go, oh, those are the bad guys. Just like we look back at the people who fought integration and said, those were the bad guys in history. Those people that were in the Capitol and are falling for this election fraud, hook, line, and sinker, those are the bad people. It's not Republican, it's not all Republicans that are bad. And you see it. You see people in the House and people in the Senate finally start to say, all right, enough is enough. This has to end. You <laughs> lost. Yes, it would have been nice if they could have done it sooner. But it, at least it has taken something like this for them to wake up and go, oh, okay, we actually have a problem on our hands. And that's what gives me hope. I want a two-party system. I don't want one party to control everything. That's not how actual good things happen in this country. I just need, I need the people to stand up on the other side and say, this guy who has been in charge of our party for four years is actually not a Republican. He's just a crazy person. That's what they said five years ago. It is what they said five years ago, and they should have stood on it. They should have said, this man is crazy. And, and I hope if someone on the Democratic side ever gets that loony tune, that people will stand up and say, no, we can't do this again. This man is crazy. We have to stop him. I, I'm against all violent riots, you know, and, and where protesting last summer did go too far and turned more into um, destructive, more violent situations. We, we said we didn't like that then. I, yes. I, I feel like I'm being consistent. So I just do not like what happened at the Capitol. I... I wouldn't have been a, a visitor in D.C. that day for anything from the East. And it's worse than anything we've seen in 200 years. I don't I mean, it's just like, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. I, and again, I, I guess, you know, to start to wrap this up, if you still think, you know, that that everyone in this country is treated equally, try talking to someone that doesn't look like you about their experiences. And I'm not saying that there isn't, you know, poor white people or that there isn't examples of police shooting white people that are unarmed. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. I'm just saying it happens a lot more to people that aren't white. It happens in terms of being treated unfairly in our country. And, and that's the part where we need to be able to talk to other people that don't look like us. Don't think the same way we do. Don't worship the same way we do. We need to be able to talk to them and understand 
where each other, where we're all coming from. Because what happened at the Capitol last week, if this country is going to survive, that can't be part of the equation. And you can't, what we have created is a society where we can't even agree if the earth is round or flat anymore. So now we have the president of the United States feeding into a totally baseless conspiracy theory and a number of people supporting it because they just want to believe it. Because the, the president changed. of the United States has never told lies like this before. And again, when I say he's emboldened a group that I didn't want emboldened, the people that, I mean, listen to Chris Long. I, Chris Long was on Levitard, and I know a lot of people don't like Dan Levitard because it's Dan Levitard. But just listen to the Chris Long part, because that's a name that people in this area will be familiar with, and some people will like. And maybe you won't like him after this, but listen to Chris Long. He, he has a great point about these people that were in the Capitol and are killing a police Capitol police officer with a fire extinguisher and beating him with Blue Lives Matters flags. They're not, they don't love America. It's, it's that simple. They don't love America. James Andrew Miller was also on the Richard Deitch podcast through the athletic now, but where all podcasts are available. He just had an opening segment to his interview that also was very good. He actually, you know, we've talked about his podcast and his books on ESPN and his inside knowledge there, but also Saturday night live and, and, and a lot of other stuff. He used to work uh, as a um, Senate floor um, intern and, and as early in his career, he worked in, in on Capitol Hill. Um, so he had a very um, specific reaction to all this. So uh, I, you know, while you're listening to that Levitard segment with um, Chris Long, uh, also maybe look at that Richard Deitch one. That one's only about five minutes too. So um, that's two little things. I, I think the James Andrew Mandela one kind of captured a lot of my thoughts. I know I was quieter during this discussion. Um, I'm not gonna say I have a lot to disagree with with what you said there, Joe. Um, but. I, I just was kind of when I listened to James Andrew Miller, I was like, he's kind of saying what I'm thinking other than the personal experiences that he had. He was kind of saying what I was thinking. So and, and I guess there. I guess the other example of, you know, what white privilege is and it Chris Long talks about this. It's not saying you're doing anything wrong. It's just saying you're you're being treated one way and other people who aren't white are being treated a very different way. And what the goal should be for people that have white privileges Okay, well, why can't those people be treated like me? Why, why, why do people that aren't white, why are they scared of the police? Why do they fear for their lives? Leland, I'm white. I'm scared when the police are behind me, but I'm scared for very different reasons. I'm scared because I might get a ticket. I'm not scared that if I get pulled over, I might not make it back home. Yep. And, and again, like the final example of one group is treated differently than another. We've had one president in this country that wasn't a white man. He's the only president that has been asked to produce a birth certificate. And when he did, was told, well, that one's probably fake. And again, that was done by Donald Trump. Joe, what was your, uh, this can be a really simple answer. What was your education in college for? What, what was your major in college? Political science. Oh, okay. Interesting. And again, I wish I wish anyone other than Donald Trump had won the Republican nomination because I could have lived and this country would be a lot better off if anyone other than Donald Trump 
had won the 2016 election on the Republican stage. I voted for Rubio. <sighs> well, folks, that will do it for the Yak Sports Podcast. If you still want to listen to the Yak Sports Podcast, you can subscribe on Podbean, Google Podcasts, or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook at Yak Sports Pod, or email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Feel free to comment on any of what was said here today, and uh, we will playfully reply if it's sports-related. If it's about the ending, um, playful may not be the response you get, depending on what it is, but we'll do our best to uh, keep it civil. So we can have it. There, there's things to debate about in that area. Uh, well, but my yeah. thing is, if you're defending what happened at the Capitol, there's going to be no, no that's civil gonna be, there. That's going to be a shorter conversation, yeah. But uh, until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed the Axe Sports Podcast, and we'll be back next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.